You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and queen of broken hearts. Oh, Kristen, I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday and Cupid extraordinaire. Oh my gosh, Rafer, you are clearly the good guy here, but that's beside the point. Let's just describe what this show is. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and solid TV and movie recommendations for whatever ails you. And today, in honor of Valentine's Day, every single letter has to do with that thing called love. And not just that, we're going to supersize this episode just a bit. We're going to cover a little extra letter for you. All right, Rafer, shall we get to this week's first letter? Yes, indeed. Our first letter comes from someone who is asked to be called Ophelia. Oh, that strikes me as very tragic right there. It does. It does. Very tragic. (laughs) Very tragic. Ophelia writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen, let me start this off by saying I love my boyfriend. He's funny, kind, and supportive to those he loves almost to a fault. We've been together two and a half years and have lived together for half that time. The only problem, his mother. She calls several times a day, asking him to come over to help with seemingly simple tasks like folding laundry or to check on things like that sound from the garage. The pandemic (laughs) has only exacerbated her neediness. She called during our anniversary dinner and demanded that my boyfriend go to her house at that exact moment. She calls when we have sex. And he feels he has no choice but to pick up. When we go to visit her together, she says disparaging things about me to my face and reminds me that he was her man first. Anytime I talk with my boyfriend about it, he says he loves us both and doesn't want to be caught in the middle. It's getting to the point where I'm thinking of throwing away this otherwise decent relationship because of her. But if I do that, I feel like I'll be letting her win. Do you have any viewing recommendations that will give me the fortitude to shrug her off and stick it out? Whew, Ophelia. Boy. Oh, my God. That's dark. This sounds terrible. And um, I just got to say here, first of all, in addition to feeling really bad for you that you're in this situation, I've also had, you know, some women who were the mothers of men I've dated who were a little bit challenging. Um, I do got to say... When it comes down to it, I don't think she's the issue. I think your boyfriend is the issue here. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Your 
boyfriend is putting up with a lot of stuff. And even though he doesn't want to have to choose sides, he's made it clear. He's already chosen his side. I mean, he is, he, he's answering the phone during sex to talk to his mom? Yeah. What? No, no. He's running off at any moment to check on that, quote, sound from the garage. He's sitting there while she's saying disparaging things about you. This is not a mother-in-law problem. This is a boyfriend problem in my mind. Ouch, Kristen. I think you're probably right, though. Um, you know, uh, the only thing about this letter that um, kind of rang a bell with me uh, that made me sympathize with the boyfriend, uh, and it's a small point, is where he says he doesn't want to be caught in the middle. Now, I get that. You know, I think every relationship's got some triangulation uh, when it comes to family. Um, you know, uh, my mom, my wife, two very different people, very different outlooks on life. And I'm kind of somewhere in between them, I guess. Uh, so sometimes I feel like I get a little caught in the middle of this stuff. But um, my mom doesn't call in the middle of sex and I don't pick up. Let me just tell you. <laughs> Even if she did call, would you pick up though, Rafer? That is my question. No. 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 No, of course. Of course. You're not going to pick up when anyone calls. No. Not even you, Kristen. I put you on hold. If you picked up when you were having sex with your wife, I would be so mad at you. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. I think that kind of stuff is, um, it's a real alarm bell. And I think um, it's pretty clear that it's kind of not going to stop. I think, I think, I think this is done. I think this is a done deal, just like you're saying, Kristen. I think it's a boyfriend problem, and he's made his choice. Yes. And so I'm just going to tell you my verdict here, Ophelia. Dump the guy. Please dump him. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I think I think it's dump time for this guy. I'm sorry to say that. Yeah. And I know you wanted the fortitude to shrug all of this stuff off, but no, don't shrug it off. Dump him. And then watch one of these movies, Rafer. I'm going to have you start with your movie prescription. All right. Well, I'm going to suggest a, a movie from way back in 1970, uh, called Where's Papa? Uh, this is a really classic dark comedy. Uh, I tend to think of this as one of the first, like, bad taste movies. Uh, and it was also one of the first cult comedies as well, certainly. Um, it's uh, And it's also one of the first films Carl Reiner ever directed. Mm. So, you know, maybe you'll... You know, maybe maybe our listener Ophelia will uh, understand why I've recommended this. So it's the story of a guy named Gordon Hockheiser. He's played by George Siegel. Uh, Gordon's a Manhattan attorney, and he's stuck taking care of his 87-year-old mother, played by the great Ruth Gordon. <gasps> yes. Yes. And, and by the way, this movie is just one year before Harold and Molly, oh, by wow. the way. Um, In her prime. So, uh, yes, she plays Mrs. Hockheiser, and she's this... Classic mom. She's overbearing. She's got no boundaries. She's pushy. She's smothering. She's also kind of senile. Uh, there's a famous uh, scene in this film that was so famous that the, they built an entire advertising campaign around it where Gordon is serving dinner to some guests and um, Ruth Gordon uh, corners him and pulls down his pants and starts slapping and kissing his tushy. Look at that tushy. Oh Look at that gorgeous God. little tushy. So oh her line throughout this movie, because she's senile, is, where's Papa? Because her husband has died and she calls him Papa. And so all the time she's asking, where's Papa? Where's Papa? Well, George can't put her in a home. He promised his dad he wouldn't put her in a home. So he tries to figure out ways of killing her. But they never work. He, like, for instance, he dresses up in a gorilla costume, tries to scare her to death. That doesn't work. Finally, he hires a nurse, Louise, played by Trish Vanderveer. 
They fall in love, but even the nurse can't stand his mother. And now it's time for Gordon to make a choice. And here's a clip. Where's Papa? The story of Gordon Hockheiser, a young man torn between his love for mother and the urge to kill her. Sid, you have 10 minutes. If you're not here by then, I'm throwing her out the window. You can torture her and beat her. Get a dog and let her beat her. You have the right to remain silent and refuse to answer any questions. But never put your mother in a home. I'm going to put my mother in a home, Papa. How many people do you have here? 73, I don't know, maybe no, maybe 72. I don't know, I didn't check all the rooms yet. Sometimes they go in the middle of the night and I don't get a chance to find out about it till the morning. You can dress like a gorilla if you think that it will kill her. Oh, Gordon, you almost scared me to death. Almost doesn't count. But never put your mother in a home. This sounds so hilarious. And as you said, kind of tasteless. Yeah. Yes, it's it's extremely tasteless. It's very juvenile. Um, I just want to admit to you, I think, you know, to, to modern taste, it might seem a little dated, um, but it is, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of the classic New York Jewish mother movie that kind of takes it all to a different level. Like, um, <laughs> just to give you a little idea, the movie originally ends with Gordon finally admitting defeat climbing into his mom's bed and saying here's papa oh my god and the mo- that god. ending <laughs> that ending was so dark it was so awful that the studio couldn't do it they wouldn't release it that way they recut the ending apparently you can still find it out there if you're a real sleuth you can probably find that ending i've never seen it i've only read about it um but you know it's just a great example of you know <laughs> what a mom can do to a son but also, I think, only if the son lets her. Exactly. Yes. And I think that's kind of something that you might keep in mind while you're watching this, you know, this very dark, slightly tasteless, slightly juvenile film. Oh, my God. Rafer, this sounds like a perfect prescription to me. It's a pretty good one. Uh, so, Kristen, <laughs> what about you? Well, I am going to prescribe something a little bit more recent from 13 years ago. It's a little comedy called Step Brothers. Oh, of course. I love Step Brothers. <laughs> yes. How could you not love Step Brothers? What's not to love about it? I'm sure a lot of people out there listening right now have already seen it. If you haven't, you probably already know what the premise is. Uh, Step Brothers follows Brennan, played by Will Farrell, and Dale, played by John C. Riley. They're two men in their 40s. They both still live at home with their parents. They have uh, a single mother and a single father that they still live at home with. But when their parents meet, fall in love, and decide to marry, they suddenly have to become stepbrothers. They're forced to live together. And along the way, we see the frustrations that happen when adult men are overly attached to their parents, what that does to each other, what that does to the world, what that does to their parents, etc. And I just got to point out here, in addition to Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, who are ridiculous in this movie, the film also stars Richard Jenkins, who is hilarious, being totally fed up as dad Robert, and the delightful, always delightful, Mary Steenburgen as mom Nancy. Here's a clip. We... I think it would be very prudent. Can we turn our beds into bunk beds? Yes. Why are you guys so sweaty? All right, we've already figured out how to do this. The beds match up perfectly. And here's the thing. It will give us so much extra space in our room to do activities. Please say yes. You don't need permission from us to build bunk beds. You're adults. You can do what you want. 
so... Oh. I'm not making myself clear. I don't give a fuck. Now, you both have several interviews tomorrow. I would think you'd be focused on that and not building bunk beds. <laughs> so... so we... we can? No? Yes. Yes, Sweet. you can make fun. I knew it. Okay, you guys are not going to regret this. We're going to get so much more activities done. This is the funnest night ever. <laughs> this is so scary. I'm dying to show this movie to my children. <laughs> I, th I think my kids would love it so much. I do think it's rated R. There is some kind of grown-up humor. There's a little – it gets a little raunchy here it and there. It does. I, it definitely gets raunchy at times. Yeah. Yes. But, oh, God, someday when my wife is out of town or something, <laughs> I'm going to show them this movie because they're going to just love it. It's so funny. <laughs> it is really funny. It's so over the top. It's totally inappropriate. But there is a good reason why I'm prescribing this, Ophelia, and that is because your boyfriend has the power to draw a line in the sand with his mother just like the characters in Step Brothers. They can choose to move out of the house. They don't have to be like this. Right. They've just chosen not to. They are not victims of their parents. They could leave at any time. They're just not leaving, you know? <laughs> and you, by the way, Ophelia, I just want to say I commend you because you have tried to stand up for yourself. You have said to your boyfriend, please, you know, can we do something about this? He's already made it clear. He's not going to do anything about it. He is not going to do anything Yep. I love you, Ophelia. I respect you. And I don't think your boyfriend respects you. If he did, he would stand up for you. He's not doing it. So please dump him. Watch Step Brothers and dump him. I totally agree. Ophelia, do not throw yourself in the river. Watch these two movies from Kristen, Step Brothers, and from me, <laughs> Where's Papa? All right, Rayford, this is normally when we take a break, but not today in our Valentine's Day episode. Oh, I love it. We have a bonus letter right now, right here and right now. This one is from someone who's asked that we call her Jane. Jane says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I've been with my boyfriend for nearly five years. We moved in together about two and a half years ago with the understanding that we were on the road to eventually getting married. The thing is, he seems to have left that road completely. For the first year of living together, he said he just wanted to enjoy our relationship for what it was and not rush ahead to the next stage. Last year, he said he didn't even want to think about marriage during the pandemic. And then last month, after the storming of the Capitol, he said he was so disenchanted with the government that he didn't want it in our personal life. In other words, no legal marriage, but we could continue to live together as if we're married. I'm starting to feel like he's just going to push this off forever. I've already invested years into this relationship. How much longer do I stick it out? Do I give him an ultimatum? The storming of the Capitol is definitely the most creative use. Oh. Of a wedding excuse that I've ever heard. Oh my God. Jane, to our listener, I'm just going to have to give your boyfriend some credit. That is that is massively creative excuse making right there. That is so terrible. I'm sorry. It is terrible. <laughs> oh, no, there's a snowstorm outside. We can't get married. Where's my toothbrush? I think I misplaced it. We can't get married. We can't get married. What if QAnon is true? <laughs> how, how can I get married in such a world? Okay. Jane... I think you know where we're all going with this, and I think you know what the answer is here. Um, this guy is not going to marry you. He's not going to marry you. Just like Kristen said about our last caller, this guy has already made his choice. You can give him an ultimatum. It's not going to work. It, he's, he's made his decision. 
He's made his decision. Any guy that, you know, can't get married in the pandemic, that can't get married while the capital is being invaded. I mean, come on. This guy is this guy is looking for any excuse and they're getting lamer and lamer by the minute, it sounds like to me. And he's really he's really running out of them, it sounds like. Yes, this is bad. I mean, I've heard other people say before, I don't want the government in my relationship. Like, uh, I remember many years ago, some of my friends who uh, were in same-sex relationships, they couldn't legally get married. So some of my heterosexual friends said, we don't want to get married unless everybody can get married. Sure. But that's not the same as the storming of the Capitol. This is very different from the storming of the Capitol. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's very that's very very different. Um, you know, I think, um, yeah. I mean, if you listen, I have friends who just sort of decided by mutual agreement that they didn't want to get married, and they are they are essentially married. Um, they live together. They are raising a kid. Um, they share bank accounts. Uh, everything. They just don't have the piece of paper. Um, that's fine. If that's a mutual agreement, if one of you wants to get married and the other one is refusing, or I guess I would say stalling, um, I think that's a real warning bell. And I would be very careful about your emotions, about your heart, about your time. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know. I think I think get rid of this guy. That's what I say. Oh, yeah. I'm going to take out the D word again from my pocket. I'm going to set it right here on the table in front of you. <laughs> that D word rhymes with rump. That's right. Dump. Dump this rump. Dump him. Dump him right now. Please. Please, Jane. You don't. You do not need to waste one more minute with this guy. You've made it clear that you feel like you've invested all this time with him. But you know what? I think a lot of people, when they think I've put this much time into things, they feel like trapped by sunk costs. Yes. I know I've been there. Like, oh, I've already put in this much time. Exactly. I can't leave now. I've already put in this much time. Please don't put in another minute. I understand the sunk costs argument, but I'm just going to argue against it. Staying longer doesn't make it better. Yeah, that's right. Your life is not sunk. You can you can still pull out. So, Kristen, what do you suggest for, for Jane? All right, I'm going to prescribe something that may on the surface look like it is not a match for you, Jane, but just hear me out. This is a movie called Someone Great that came out in 2019 on Netflix. Uh, Rafer, did you ever see Someone Great? No, I was very intrigued by this, uh, especially because I like uh, Lakeith Stanfield a lot, uh, who's in it. Oh, yeah. He's so dreamy. Mm. And I remember, and it's got like some, it's got a, it's got a kind of a music, yes. like a rock and roll kind of theme to it, right? Like music criticism. And I'm a former rock critic. And so anything that involves anything like that, I'm a total sucker for. But for whatever reason, I never got around to someone great. So tell me about it. All right. So someone great, you would love Rafer. It stars Gina Rodriguez as Jenny. She is indeed, as you said, a music journalist in New York who lands her dream job with Rolling Stone in your other hometown, Rafer, of San Francisco. Totally. I can't believe this is this is like my life story. <laughs> totally your movie. I love it. But when she lands her dream job, rather than saying, yes, I'll go with you, her boyfriend of nine years, Nate, played by Lakeith Stanfield, who you already mentioned, who is so dreamy, he ends the relationship. Jenny descends into a deep, deep depression that her best friends try to pull her out of with one last great night on the town. Here's a clip. We were together nine years. I thought we could handle anything until... I actually just got a job in San Francisco. I just don't feel like I'm ready to leave New York. Why did he leave you like 
like that. He didn't even want to try. Why do you want to try? Look at you with your pretty teeth and shit. Thank you. You okay? Basically, I just really want you to call your place of work and tell them you have your period or something and then just come over to my apartment. You know the beginning of a disaster movie, like right before the girl who looks like me dies, and like right when a girl who looked like you walk outside and be like, oh my God, look how crazy the sky looks. This feels like that. This just can't be where it ends. This is destiny. You are Beyonce. Jenny, we know you're texting him. Fuck! Kristen, did you say Lakeith Stanfield is dreamy? Is that right? He is so dreamy. Mm. Oh, he is? I didn't know that. I just I just like him. I just think he's I think he's cool. I didn't know he was dreamy. Oh, yeah. He's cool. He's versatile. He plays such a wide range of roles, but he's also just incredibly gorgeous. But I did not know that. All right. Good for him. Oh, he is. Yes, he really, really is. Great. <laughs> But but aside from watching for Lakeith Stanfield's very good looks, uh, I also just want to explain that there are other reasons very specific to you, Jane, about why this movie is good for you. Because I keep thinking about what you were saying about those sunk costs. I've already put in five years. Well, in Someone Great, Jenny has put in nine years with this person. Yeah. She can't imagine life without him because she put in all this time. Am I really going to lose this thing that was so much of my life? That's a lot of time. Yeah. And she was very invested in this. But over the course of the movie, she begins to realize, hey, there have been signs for quite a while that our relationship probably had a shelf life. There were signs all along that maybe this wasn't going to go the way I thought it was going to go. And that doesn't mean that the early days weren't good. And that doesn't mean that she wasted her life by spending all those years in the relationship. She didn't waste her life. But some things just have a shelf life. And sometimes it's time to say goodbye. And Jane, I think in your case, it's time to say goodbye. You know, this wasn't necessarily a waste of time. The last five years, I'm sure you had some good times too, but it's time to say goodbye. Your boyfriend has made his choice and it's time for you to make yours. You can do better. There's so much more out there for you, Jane. So much more. I totally agree. That sounds great. Uh, that sounds like a great recommendation. I re- And that makes me realize I really, really got to watch that movie. Oh, yeah. You're going to love it. And you're going to identify so strongly with the protagonist. You're going to dance to Lizzo in your kitchen in your underwear, just like Gina Rodriguez. You're going to do it all. <laughs> I highly doubt that I will do that, but okay. (laughs) But what about you, Rafer? What are you going to prescribe to Jane? Okay, I'm going to recommend a movie that um, is not very good, but I have a reason for recommending (laughs) this film. Uh, Jane, excuse me, I propose to you the five-year engagement from 2012, a comedy with Jason Segel and Emily Blunt. And in this movie... They play Tom and Violet, two people who are very much in love. They want to get married. She's a little gun shy. They decide to wait for a while. Uh, And then uh, Emily Blunt's character gets a job in Ann Arbor. I think she's a psychology professor. Uh, And so they move from San Francisco, again, to uh, Ann Arbor, and they put the marriage off. And their grandparents are pressuring them. They keep saying, we haven't got all day, you know, you got to get married. And then the grandparents actually die. But then Tom and uh, Tom and Violet, other names, they still can't pull the trigger on a wedding. Something always gets in the way. And here's a clip. The men will wear yarmulkes. And in that case, all eligible Christians will be served communion. Communion? What, we're going to have communion at my son's wedding? Um, it's our wedding, Pete. And I mean, seeing as everyone's going to be wearing yarmulkes... Well, actually, only the men will be wearing yarmulkes, so... Well, I've never heard you say the word yarmulke till today. I... 
Excuse me, I say yarmulke all the time. You don't. You... Like, hey, where's my yarmulke, babe? Babe, have you, you seen my yarmulke? You don't have a yarmulke. I have a hold. It's in my you... Jewish drawer. Rafer. Yes. You said this is not a very good movie. No. <laughs> it's not. It's not very good. But why then are you prescribing it to Jane if it's not a very good movie? Here's why. Because what I remember of this movie is that the central premise just doesn't make any sense. I kept, I remember sitting here in the theater. This was years, Jane, before you ever came along and I ever had to, you know, talk about this, this <laughs> dilemma that you're having. This is way back in 2012. And I remember sitting in this theater going, why are they proposing the marriage? Nobody ever really says. The movie keeps inventing all these reasons. Oh, life's little accidents and things get in the way. And, but, but that wouldn't stop you from getting married. So, all right, so you're in Ann Arbor. You're far away from your friends. Get married. Go back to San Francisco. Get married there. Or do it someplace halfway between. Tell a few close friends and have them fly out to Ann Arbor. But, you know, the the the, the Violet character keeps saying, oh, I, I, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Why? Give me a valid, emotionally clear, coherent explanation as to why you are not getting married. And if you can't do that, let's just cut this movie off at the 40-minute mark, roll the credits, and we can all go home and get on with our lives. And so what I'm trying to say to you is the screenwriters in this movie, and you could tell, you can tell while you're watching it, the screenwriters are doing the same thing your boyfriend is doing. They keep coming up with these stupid reasons to keep the movie going and prevent these two from get mar from getting married. And none of the reasons, they just don't wash. And the whole time you're thinking, I don't believe you. These reasons are not valid. I don't buy your relationship. And now I don't want you to get married. And so the whole <laughs> thing just backfires. And I'm not saying it doesn't have its funny moments because it has a few funny moments. You know, um, um, Emily Blunt is funny. Jason Siegel's pretty funny. There's a few moments here and there. But I think when you watch this movie, you know, it's like, you know, you do, you know, do you ever do you ever write fiction or write in a journal or you know, write some short story based on yourself? And as you write it, you realize, oh, geez, this hero's a real jerk. <laughs> now I now I realize what the problem was. It's me or whatever, right? Or oh God, I'm writing this really crappy girlfriend character, and no wonder she's you know, no wonder I'm having problems. This is a crappy person. Um, it, it's like it's one of these things where art kind of shows you what's happening in your life, and so that's why I think the five year engagement might might give you some insight into what's happening. Wow. I remember trying to watch this, Rafer, but yeah. I don't remember staying awake for it. It's, but... it's unmemorable. It is an <laughs> unmemorable movie, but it might be interesting, I think, for, for our listener to watch. I think, I think she might find it kind of an interesting exercise. <laughs> All right. So, Jane, once again, those recommendations are from Rafer, The Five-Year Engagement, and from me, Someone Great from Netflix. All right, now we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, a huge thanks to all of you out there giving us five-star reviews and Apple podcasts. For example, I'm going to try to pronounce this right, Savtev recently gave us five stars and wrote, Great entertainment. Thank you for this fun podcast. The two of you are just great. Oh, short and sweet and everything we love to hear. We think you. You're great, Savtiev. Uh, we think everyone's great who writes to us. We love you all. <laughs> we love you when you write us letters. We love you when you review us. Thank you. Thank you, all of you. All right. Stay with us. When we're back, we have someone whose boyfriend is maybe a little too close with his ex.
can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. We're back with our third letter of the week. And Rafer, I'll let you take this one away. Okay, this one comes from Zoe, who writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen, my boyfriend has always had the philosophy that if he loved you once, he'll love you forever. That means he holds on to all his childhood friendships in one form or another, and that he's very close with all of his ex-girlfriends. I appreciate his loyalty, but at the same time, I feel uncomfortable with some of these friendships. Most notably, the girlfriend he had before me is now the person he considers his best friend. He talks and texts with her constantly, including in the middle of our own dates, and the two have weekly movie nights that have turned into slumber parties on more than one occasion. Anytime I hint that this friendship makes me uncomfortable, he accuses me of being controlling and uptight and suggests I'm holding on to baggage from my last and only significant relationship, which ended with my boyfriend cheating. Am I being irrationally paranoid or is there some validity to my concerns? And is there a movie that can help me gain some clarity? Okay, so Zoe, the situation, there's a word. It's floating around in my head. Oh, it's dump him. <laughs> dump this guy. <laughs> dump him. Oh, my God. Let me first of all tell you, Zoe, some people want to be friends with their exes. I'm not one of those people. I'm just going to tell you right here and now. Me either. No, because you know what? I was never your friend in the first place. Anyone who's like, I still want to be friends. Like, no, I was not your friend. I was your girlfriend. And that is not the same thing as being your friend. I have plenty of friends already. I don't need another friend, especially when there's all that baggage involved. I do not need it. Totally. And, you know, everyone's different. Your boyfriend clearly wants to be friends with all of his exes. But it sounds like he wants to be more than friends with all of his exes. But the thing that offends me even more than all of that is that he's accusing you of stuff. Just because right. you're hinting that you're uncomfortable, you don't. Right. You don't. You don't accuse him of anything. You're saying you just hint. Maybe I'm not comfortable with this, and then he calls you names, controlling, uptight, and so on. If he loved you, if he wanted to be with you, he would be trying to make you comfortable. He wouldn't be accusing you of things. He would be trying to assure you you come first. He's not doing that with you. Dump this guy. I completely agree. Um... You know, now listen, I, I, I guess this is something of a matter of um, uh, uh, personal preference, the idea of being friends with your exes. Uh, I'm like you, Christian. I, I, don't, I don't like it. I can't do it. There are people in my life who I, I sort of can't describe to you how much I miss them. Uh, former girlfriends, people I've been romantically involved with, people that I I miss them and I miss them terribly. But it's I just don't think it can be done. I just I think it's too fraught. I think it's too uncomfortable. Um, and I just don't think it really, when it gets right down to it, serves anyone's purpose in any real way. It's, maybe there are some people out there who are different. Um, 
anyway, I agree with you on that point. I agree with you on the on the point of um, you know that this guy seems to be kind of accusing you of something. That seems like a real sort of you know emotional jujitsu move there, which I think is not great. Um, and you know, and I think the bottom line is you're asking for something and he's not giving it to you. You, you know, you're, you, you are asking for him to have, uh, it doesn't sound like you're asking him to cut these people out of his life entirely, but you are saying, this makes me uncomfortable. I'd like a little more distance between you and this person, please. And he's not, he's not giving it to you. And I think that's a fairly clear sign. Yeah. I mean, slumber parties, come on. Like, yeah. I understand, like, I'm traveling through your town. I don't have anywhere to crash tonight. Can I crash here? But weekly sleepovers? Come on. Uh, yeah, it doesn't, yeah, doesn't sound good. Doesn't yeah. Sound good. Oh, gosh. No, no. He is gaslighting you, which is one reason I thought about prescribing gaslight. But I'm not going to prescribe uh, gaslight, Zoe. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good idea, actually. Okay, so what do you got, Christian? I actually am prescribing another movie, but I'm kind of doubling up here. There is a okay. movie called Rebecca from 1940. Sure. Alfred Hitchcock made it. But also it was just remade a few months ago on Netflix in 2020. Oh, that can't possibly be any good. No. <laughs> well, I'll just say I this. I haven't even seen it. So what do I know? But I, that, how good can that be? Well, some of the movie therapy fans on the Facebook community, which is facebook.com slash group slash Rafer and Kristen for anyone who wants to join. Nice plug. Some of them have mentioned that they really like this movie. So Really? Yeah, they like the remake. So maybe you'll like the remake. Okay, I take it back. <laughs> maybe you'll like the original. And let me just explain what it's about for those who don't know. Rebecca tells the story of a rich widower named Mr. De Winter, who marries a young, unassuming, working-class girl and whisks her off to his estate. But when she gets there, she quickly realizes that the memory of his first wife, Rebecca, is everywhere, and that the housekeeper, Mrs. Danvers in particular, is set on keeping Rebecca front and center and shutting the new wife out Here's a clip from the new version of Rebecca from Netflix. She wouldn't have a lady's maid, you know. I don't want anyone but you, Danny. Do you see how tall she was? Hmm. She could wear anything with a figure like hers. Mrs. Danvers, does Mr. De Winter ask you to keep the room like this? It doesn't have to. She's still here. Can you feel her? I wonder what she's thinking about you. Taking her husband and using her name. She just wanted him to be happy. Happy? No, he'll never be happy. She was the love of his life. So that was Kristen Scott Thomas as Mrs. Danvers and Lily James as the new Mrs. DeWinter. And as you can hear there, Kristen Scott Thomas, she, she doesn't like the new Mrs. DeWinter. No. No, it's all about Rebecca. No, it's always about Rebecca. <laughs> all right. So, let me just explain. The reason why I am prescribing this movie is because it's the story of a woman who's trying her best to make the best of a bad situation. She's got a husband who's constantly dismissing her concerns. We all know watching the movie that she's not crazy. He's just making her think she's crazy. Mrs. Danvers is making her think she's crazy. Everybody around her is treating her like she's the crazy one. But no, you're not crazy. 
new Mrs. De Winter. <laughs> you should trust your instincts. And Zoe, you should trust your instincts too. You really should hear. He is gaslighting you. He is wrong. Let him go, Zoe. Dump him. I, I agree. I think that sounds like a great recommendation. I certainly loved the old version with Laurence Olivier. Um, yeah. Oh, he's great. And Joan Fontaine. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, and, and, so, and look, I'll, so creepy. I'll try to I'll give it a fair shake. I'll try to watch the new uh, the new 2020 version. Um, it's not for everyone, but some people love it. OK. All right. <laughs> Well, but what about you, Rafer? What are you going to prescribe to our letter writer Zoe here? Well, i I feel like i I feel like I hit upon a kind of like a similar theme, but maybe with a slight, maybe a little slight difference. I, I chose a movie called Matchstick Men from two thousand three. Um, it's a really overlooked film that's honestly one of my favorite movies of the 2000s. Um, and I'll just tell you the story. It's fairly simple. Uh, you've got Nicolas Cage, who plays a guy named Roy Waller. He's a con artist living in LA, uh, has a few challenges. He's got Tourette syndrome, and he also has a pretty bad case of OCD. But um, he's still a good enough liar and a good manipulator and kind of a good salesman uh, that he can make a living as a criminal. And his partner is Sam Rockwell, uh, who plays uh, Frank Mercer, who's um, kind of a snake in the grass, but he's good to Roy and he's patient and kind. And they've been together for years and years. They run a fake lottery together and they sell some crappy drinking water systems to willing suckers. And, you know, they've got a pretty good thing going. Um, well, one day Roy learns through his uh, psychiatrist uh, that he has a daughter that he never knew about named Angela, played by Alison Lohman. Uh, she's very young. She's 14. And he meets her. And so what does Frank do? Like any good con man turned father, he brings her along into his next swindle. And so together, Roy and his daughter Angela and Frank are going to bilk a rich businessman out of his money. And here's a clip. You're staring. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. I used to do it too. Look at your picture, see if I got your nose, your eyes. <laughs> Mommy stay got lucky and only got your mm. elbows. Mm. I thought you weren't hungry. You're gonna get wet. Might as well go swimming. <clears throat> uh, so, you're in school, right? Not now. It's summer. Oh, yeah, okay, that's right. School's real important. If I had anything to do over again, I, I would have worked harder in school. You drop out? That how you ended up a criminal? I'll take it, Mike. It's okay, you know. Whatever you do, everybody's done something bad in their life. All right, Rafer. So this is a criminal. This is a criminal and his long-lost daughter. What exactly does this have to do with Zoe and her situation? Okay. It's a great question. Um, this is kind of a uh, – first of all, I just want to repeat – it's really one of my favorite movies of that decade. It's so good. Ridley Scott, the director, it's kind of an unusual choice for him. You know, it's not one of these flashy, stylish, thriller-type movies. It's pretty straight ahead. Um, the reason I recommend this movie is because there's a line in it that has stuck with me for years. And it comes when Angela is asking her dad, how, do the, how does the con work? How do you get people uh, to give you their money? And Roy says, and he says it in this very natural way, oh, no, he says, you don't understand. People want you to take their money. That's the only reason it works. If they didn't really want you to take the money, 
you wouldn't be able to take the money. But for whatever reason, and it's always different, they want you to steal their money. And this just struck me as like such a deeply true, kind of mind-blowingly true line. And I was reminded of it when I heard this letter from Zoe, our listener, because my suspicion is that you are allowing yourself to get suckered this way. You, for some reason, I think maybe you want your boyfriend to be treating you this way. I don't know why. Maybe you are under the mistaken belief that you deserve it. Maybe it because you've become comfortable playing the victim. Maybe you are trying to wreck your life to prove to your parents that they were shitty parents, something uh, many of us, I'm sorry, did I say us? Something many people do. Um, <laughs> it could be anything. It could be anything. Only you know, Zoe, only you know why you're staying with this guy. And I don't think it's because, oh, he has some good qualities. Why are you staying with this guy? Why are you letting him sucker you? And I think that's a, an important question. And I think the wisdom of Nicolas Cage in this movie just might help you out. That's why I recommend oh this. Oh, my God. Don't blame the victim, Rafer. <laughs> I'm not blaming the victim. But listen, it takes two to tango. It takes two to tango. You've got to take some responsibility and you've got to ask yourself, not, not what did I do to deserve this? Because that's not the question. The question is, why am I letting this guy do this to me? Why am I letting this guy do this to me? I think that's important. Kristen, you, wow. I can tell you disagree. I can tell you disagree. I I also think sometimes, I don't know how old you are, Zoe, but I also have got to say when I was in my teens and 20s, there are a lot of people who are just really crappy in relationships. There's a lot of cheating that happens in those decades. No doubt. It might not be that you're letting anything happen to you at all. It might just be that you're a woman in your 20s who's in the dating world because that <laughs> happens a lot when you're younger. Okay, all right. Fair enough. You know, fair I enough. mean, let's Maybe. be real, Rafer. How good were the boyfriends back when you were in college? Most of the boyfriends probably that you knew were not wonderful. At least, I'm, well, I'm just going to say in my world, they weren't. Most of the boyfriends sucked when I was that age. I'm going to take the fifth. But anyway, this is not about <laughs> me, Krista. How did this get to be about me? <laughs> well, we're going to have to disagree about this, Rafer. I'm just going to say, Zoe, get out of this. You can change it right now. It's not your fault that you're in it. And I get agree, out. Zoe. I agree. <laughs> All right. So from Kristen, Rebecca, and from me, Matchstick Men. All right. We are going to take another quick break. But before we do, are you in a predicament where you could use some questionable advice and a good movie or TV recommendation? Use the contact form at RaferAndKristen.com. You do not have to use your real name. When we're back, we have our What Should I Watch Next Letter of the Week. Hey, everybody, we are back with this week's What Should I Watch Next letter. Kristen, take it away. All right. This one is from Lydia, who writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I recently watched Like a Boss, the new movie with Tiffany Haddish and Rose Byrne playing best friends and business partners. Their friendship and company are put to the test when they sell a portion of their business to a character played by Salma Hayek. I'll be frank with you. The movie was not perfect, but it still stood out to me for one reason. None of the women in the movie were married, pining for a man, or trapped in the kind of romantic subplot that almost all female characters are required to be trapped in. 
I'd love to watch some more movies or TV shows where women are happy and just doing their thing without romance being a part of the picture. What should I watch next? Boy, ask for the moon, why don't you? <laughs> this is a tough one. Yes. I mean, you just you just don't see it a lot in uh, in movies, maybe more so in television shows a little bit. Um, but boy, it's 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 rare. They're still churning out the rom coms in Hollywood, and it's all it's all. Yeah. What's the point of a woman if no one wants to love her? Yeah. Boy, I'll tell you. Um, that's a tough one. Well, you know, it's interesting that you're watching. Um, like a boss. I don't know that many people who saw that movie. Uh, <laughs> I saw you, it. Did you see it? Did Reaper? you? No, I didn't see it. Oh, yeah, I saw oh, it. Tell me yeah. anything you want to tell me about it. Wow. I love all three stars of this movie. Yeah. Tiffany Haddish is just, she's always wonderful. Right? Rose Byrne is always a delight. Salma Hayek playing a diva corporate boss. She's hilarious. Okay. Um, but no, it's not a perfect movie. The, the pacing is a little bit off. At times, they kind of seem to be losing track of what they're trying to do in the movie. Uh, you know, at points, I just was like, you know, make it snappy. Yeah. Make it snappy. The movie could stand <laughs> to be a lot snappier. But, you know, I agree with you, Lydia. It was really enjoyable just to watch these women do something that men get to do in the movies all the time. Yeah. Just have a business story. Like, here we are working on our small business. Should we sell it to a buyer? What should we do here? Men get to do this all the freaking time in movies. All right, it's a good point. And it was nice to see that, even though I will agree it's not a perfect movie. All right, well, I I do have a recommendation on this um, that I think might be uh, almost painfully on point. Um, it's a movie from 2016 called The Boss with Melissa McCarthy. What? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yeah, do you remember this movie, Kristen? Well, you know I'm a Melissa McCarthy fan through and through. Um, let me just ask here, because I might be misremembering. I've seen so many of her movies. Is this the one where she and Kristen Bell end up being roommates somehow? That's, that's exactly right. That's, that is the one. <laughs> Kristen. Yes. And there's like a like a Girl Scout in the movie or a brownie. There's some Girl then, Scouts. Yes, there are some and, girl. Well, yeah, I think they're Girl Scouts or maybe they call and, them something else. But yes, I do remember the opening of the movie. The first three minutes are spectacular. They're some of the best first three minutes of a movie ever. <laughs> I actually don't remember the the first three minutes. What? But okay. No, She's what essentially giving like a TED talk on a stage with pyrotechnics where the audience is just eating it up and it's hilarious. Right. That's the TED talk. And she and she hires T-Pain, I think, to come out and be her backup rapper. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So okay. Good. Yes. Yes. Good. Okay. Good. So you've seen it. So um, yes. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure, Kristen, that you and I will both uh, agree that it's not a very good movie. Um, however, it's not Melissa McCarthy's best. I'll just say that. No, it definitely isn't. But unlike the other not very good movie that I recommended earlier, this movie, I just have to admit, very sheepishly, I thought was pretty darn funny. Um, yes. And so here we go. It's a Melissa McCarthy movie directed by her husband, Ben Falcone, which usually spells disaster. I don't know if anyone out there has ever seen Tammy. Don't see that. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> This movie was also not a hit. Uh, its Rotten Tomatoes score is as twenty one, twenty one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, mm. so Melissa McCarthy not very plays fresh. not very fresh, unfresh. So Melissa McCarthy plays Michelle Darnell, which is funny. She's an empire building businesswoman. She's kind of like a, I don't know what she is. She's kind of a Martha Stewart, Oprah Winfrey type businesswoman. She's the forty seventh richest woman in America. You know, how rich is she? She's so rich. She paid for Destiny's Child to reunite just so she could watch them break up again. That's how rich 
she is. <laughs> well, she goes to jail for insider trading, and when she gets out, she's got nowhere to go. So she shows up at the apartment of her old assistant, Claire. That's the Kristen Bell character. And, you know, Michelle Darnell always treated Claire like dirt, but Claire's kind of a doormat. So she takes her old boss in, and now Claire's got this depressed couch potato sitting around in her living room all day. And the question is, how can she help her old boss get her mojo back? And here's a clip. We gotta get on a schedule if you're gonna be here. Oh my God! Close your robe! No, absolutely not. I'm self-tanning and my legs are still wet. I can see your vagina. Well, congratulations and you're welcome. You know, I had it rejuvenated in 2010. They call it a vajuvenation. You know, it's like a soft silk coin purse. I can barely urinate. Oh my God. Now do me a favor and tell me if I have any streaks on my hands. <gasps> oh God, put it away. Huh? Whoa. Put it away. Hi, Raquel. It's Rachel. Go grab your backpack, honey. We don't need to brush our teeth today. Our teeth are fine. You don't need to spray tan your labia. You don't need to. Just going to say it. I mean, you can if you want to, but you don't have to. You don't have to do that, Rafer. This is where Melissa McCarthy really excels. She is so good at this kind of humor. And <laughs> this movie, it really, I just want to repeat, if I haven't said it enough times, it's not a good movie. <laughs> but... <laughs> But it just made me laugh more often than not. And I don't know if Ben Falcone just caught his wife on a good month where she was just on a hot streak for whatever reason. But she's very <laughs> funny. She just riffs and riffs on anything and anybody who happens to be standing by. Um, and for our listener, I think it's got a couple of good points. It's a, it's a cast of mostly women. Um, aside from McCarthy and Kristen Bell, you've got Annie Momolo, Margot Martindale, Kathy Bates is in it. Um, oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, yes. And romance is not the central theme of the movie. Um, I just have to say, I thought it was a really stupid, funny movie that <laughs> doesn't really have anything else to recommend it, <laughs> except what I've told you. Even the audience members on um, Rotten Tomatoes only gave it 34%. So fair warning, but I thought it was funny. And so I'm going to recommend The Boss. So there you go. Yes. Yes. And Rafer, I, you know, I... I know it's really tough to come up with movies where the women are allowed to have zero romance. and It's really hard. And so that's why I'm just going to say right here and right now, I went to TV instead. You went to TV. Okay. Well, you're good at this kind of thing, Kristen. So this is, this is, this is your wheelhouse. What'd you choose? All right. So I recently discovered a TV show that was around when I was growing up. I'd never watched it before. It's on Amazon Prime and Peacock right now. It ran from 1984 to 1996. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. It's called Murder, She Wrote. Of course. Murder, She Wrote. You never saw Murder, She Wrote? Come on. You're being facetious. No, I'm serious. I'd never seen Murder, She Wrote. And so I'm like, you know what? I, 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 I'm going to give it a go. I am going to watch it. I will confess right here and now, I could not really follow the cases most of the time. Yeah. It's a very confusing show in some ways. And yet, Jessica Fletcher, that is the lead character, she is just a delight. Of she course. is somebody who lives in a small town in Maine. She writes mystery novels. She rides her bike. She goes jogging. Everywhere she goes, she discovers a murder, and then she tries to solve it. Here's a clip. Hello, this is Jessica Fletcher. I'm sorry I can't come to the phone at the moment, but I'm busy working. If you'll please leave your name and number, and I will get... Jess, you do not have an answering device. Talk to me. Seth, what's wrong? Winnie is here. In my house. 
Well, why are you whispering? She wants to stay here. She's afraid of her husband. Just you hear me. She wants to sleep here. Help me. Seth, look, I feel sorry for Winnie. Winnie? What about me? Look, if she'd come to me, I would have taken her in. But she didn't, Seth. She came to you for help. Because I'm closer. Closer, woman. I'm a victim of geography. Seth, please. Jessica, this is a small town, a very small town. The tongues wag like puppy dogs' tails. Look, Seth, I'm sorry. Look, I have got a book to finish, and it has to be finished tonight. Now, please, if there's any mercy in your soul... All right. But if I fall victim to some irate husband, my blood will be on your hands. Well, that's Angela Lansbury. I mean, she's she's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And this was her this was her crowning moment, Murder, She Wrote. I mean, that was a hugely successful show. I mean, she carried that show for like years and years, right? Oh, yes. There are hundreds and hundreds of episodes. And it's fantastic because, you know, when she took this role, I did a little research on this. A lot of people were thinking, oh, can we really have this queen of the screen and the stage be on a TV show? Does she really want to do this? Is this like beneath her? But she did it. And it was just enormous. And every major star of the 80s and 90s was on that show. Every famous oh, person yeah. you can think of made an appearance on it. And I love that they do early on allude to the fact that, yes, she was married at one point. She's widowed. They never had kids. She has ah. a rich, fantastic life. And it's never about trying to like make her fall in love, at least not in the episodes I watched. I, I've watched several episodes now, but it wasn't about that. It was about this is a smart woman who has a lot of adventures. She's very talented. She has tons of friends. And uh, by the way, because she lives in a small town in Maine, as I mentioned, not all the murders are there because at the end of you know 12 seasons, the whole town would be dead. So some of the murders are in other towns. I just want to point that out <laughs> for anybody good point. for anybody who's curious, like, how does she live in a small town in Maine? And there's like 400 episodes of the show. How many people are in Maine anyway? That's a really good point, Kristen. I never, I never, I never thought about that it's like it's like when mash lasted longer than the korean war itself yes. right yeah that's a good point yeah. no there are murders all over the place not just in maine okay oh i love it no that's that's a, that's that's great i i remember murder she wrote very fondly from uh from my childhood not i i can't tell you i was like a, a faithful watcher but i remember it very fondly yeah and again i you know, I've tried several episodes now. I still don't understand how she's unraveling these cases because they don't leave the breadcrumbs in any order where you can ever discern it yourself as a viewer. But she's so delightful. It doesn't matter. She's so delightful. It's just, it's just like the Agatha Christie movies. You can't. I, I used when I was a kid. I used to watch them, and I would think like this time. I'm going to actually get it before the detective is, but they they withhold all kinds of ridiculous information, and people know stuff that they aren't that they couldn't possibly know. It's you, it's all right. Yeah. It's okay. You just you watch it for the fun of it, right? Yes, and because of Angela Lansbury as Jessica Fletcher, who we should all aspire to be a little bit more. Like. I totally agree. Jogging, riding bikes, writing mysteries, solving murders, <laughs> and gardening. Uh, yes, yes, she loves all gardening. <laughs> all right, I think we've got a couple of winners here from Kristen, murder she wrote, and for me, the boss. Well, Rafer, I don't know about you, but my heart is feeling quite full right now because I got to tell three people to dump their significant others. How's your heart feeling? (laughs) My heart has got a giant arrow sticking out of it. That's how my heart feels. (laughs) It feels great. (laughs) Well, I guess that means that's it for this week's episode of Movie Therapy. But that doesn't mean we aren't here for you if you need us in the coming week. Reach out to us on Twitter, at Rafer Guzman, and at Kristen Meitzer. And please tell your friends about the show. It really does help a lot. Until next time, I'm Rafer Guzman. 
And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.